But for me, I was I was the kind of kid. I grew up in a Christian family that I would, they had eight children. They thought I would be the one that wouldn't get saved. <laughs> but God came for me, and and so I I become a pastor and a youth pastor. And I worked for a big church, but so they didn't have to pay. I did work on the side, and I was out on a big job. And I went up and took someone's place. I was a foreman. And someone, they were causing a rolling blackout in the city, so they sent power back my way. So I took some of the main lines that run Denver, Colorado. And when they turned the power back on my way, it two lines arced like in high wind. And it blew my linesman gloves off because they were only good for 10,000 volts. It blew the tips off and blew these fingers off in the dust. But I'm a worshiper, so I'm saying, God, I can't. How am I going to play worship, man? No fingers, just a couple charred bones. <laughs> and, and I remember that when I was being electrocuted, I was crying out. Because you, you know when you're in trouble? When you're a little boy, you go, help, daddy, help. Well, we got an awesome daddy in heaven. I was like, help, daddy, help. And I felt two hands because you can't get free from that much power. And it wasn't stopping. So I was literally part of it. And so it stopped my heart because your heart either stops or blows up. And I felt two hands when I prayed hit my chest and blow me off and take everything I was hooked on to free. And I fell a little over 40 foot and broke all the bones. My feet were shattered. Tibia bones are broken. Knees were broken. My femurs were broken, sticking out my leg. My hips was broken. My tailbone was broken. My back was shattered. And my neck was broken. All my ribs were caved in, just starting to puncture through my heart. But the electricity had blown holes all the way down. My arms were fractured. My fingers had fractures all over. My head was fractured. My jaw was broken. My neck was broken. <sighs> then I remember that... That when, when I fall, a big guy tried to catch me, one of my workers, and I broke through his arms and flipped him over me. But I hit that hard where all that was broken, and my ribs were all broken, and they just were starting to puncture what was left of my heart. Because when that, I had two holes the size of these fingers blowing all the way through me, and it blew a section of my heart off. And it went down and cooked everything, French fried everything inside, to where my lungs were literally shattering into holes. And then... I blew out my leg here, and literally my jeans were on fire, and I had flames shooting out my legs when they hit the ground. And I remember that God hit me, let me hit just hard enough to start my heart, and that guy slowed me down just enough to not to stick my ribs right through what was left of it. And I remember, you know, if you're the only Christian there, you could stay awake to pray for yourself. Because, see, I believed in healing, and I'd seen a lot of healing. So I cried out, and my father answered, and he said, Don't worry, anyone looks at you, what anyone says, I'm going to take care of you. And I knew my father's not a liar. Don't you know your father's not a liar? He does what he says. And what's in that Bible, like you said, when you get the truth, he does the truth. It don't even matter if I believe it or not. It still comes out his way. Because <laughs> he tells the truth. And, and he just spoke to me. And I believed him because I knew his voice. And I remember even the paraplegic, the para, para, um, they sent down all the ambulance guys. And they ran up to me. And they looked at me. And they just freaked out. Lost the color in their face and backed up. And I want to tell you, when you freak out the ambulance guys, that's a, not a good sign. <laughs> that is not a good sign. So you know what? Lots of people want to see a miracle, but not very many want to volunteer to need it. You know? You know, not very many people want to need a miracle. But God, you have to need a miracle to see him. And you have to go. So, so I remember God going, they put me in a flight for life, and they freaked me out. And I said, call my pastor, man. He believes in healing. Can him come? And I was saying, call my roommates. They're crazy Christian guys. They'll come and pray. They believe in healing. And one of the people there was dating. My roommate was a nurse at that hospital and worked in the emergency department. She came back to work. She just left. And she just looked at me and said, my friend's going to die today. There's no hope. See, when the natural has no hope, we know who hope really is in. Who's real hope? Yeah. Real hope is Jesus Christ. He is everything in hope. 
We have no hope without him. And I remember that, that my pastor came was flipping. He was just freaking out. And I remember that. I, I said, I got to see how come my hand hurts so bad. And I looked at him and go, well, pastor, I can't play guitar no more. I'm going to do worship. <laughs> and they had me in all these air casts. And they said, we're going to cut you open, look side. And they cut me open. And they found bones for my feet in my chest. And I was just a mess. And it shot up. And they're pouring blood in as fast as they could. And it wasn't even bad enough then that they even gave me tainted blood that gave me AIDS and hepatitis C. <laughs> you want to think when Satan wants to take you out? He's like, I got this pesky little guy. He gets people saved. I think I'll just French fry him and slam dunk him. But God said, I got another plan. I got another plan that's greater. He don't even see what's coming. Do you know if Satan would have known what was going, he would have never killed Jesus. He doesn't see what's coming. He doesn't see everything. But God does. And I remember that that when I was in there, and I'd been in there for three and a half months. When they opened me up, look, they just stapled me up and sewed me up and put me in and listed me with 0% chance to live. Do you know what? That's the very thing Satan wants to speak over everybody. You have 0% chance to do something good. You have 0% chance to feel okay in your life. You're zero. But that's not what God says. And after three and a half months, they worked on me, and they said, his heart's not bringing, bringing the crash cart. And I'm telling you, when your body's more dead, Jesus is more alive to you. Your body's out of the way. I'm telling you, he comes up, and he shows up in your room and talks to you. And if you have something you can't use your hands or something, you better have the Bible inside you. I'm telling you, read your Bible now and get the word inside you alive when you need it. And he, when I was there, and I remember they, the doctor said, his heart's not beating. And I was semi-conscious in a drug-induced coma. And I remember saying, I'm thinking, bring in the crash cart. And I'm thinking, isn't that where they shock people? How can more electricity be the answer? <laughs> I'm thinking, how, how can this be? And I'm thinking this stuff. And they come in, they shock me. And all my broken parts go flying out. And everything hurts. And it felt like someone stuck a hot spear in my heart and pulled it out. And he goes, increase the power. It didn't work. And I'm trying to holler, but I got a tracheotomy and all this stuff in me. And I'm on an iron lung because my lungs aren't working. And, and I'm trying to scream, don't do that again, sucker. That hurts. And they shocked me three times in full power. And it didn't work. And they cracked my heart open. They massaged my heart. And they shocked me for an hour and 45 with nothing going on. No brain waves. So they said, well, you fought hard. And they tagged my toe, zipped up the body bag, and rolled me to the morgue. Jesus. But I tell you, some people are walking around more dead than when I was in that body bag. And I want to see them released. I want to see them released. And I watched them go in. And I remember being down there. And, and they said I was down there for more than five hours. And an hour and 45 dead upstairs, more than five hours down the morgue. And I remember that. I remember sitting there. And, and I was thinking, wow. And I kind of was a little bit of roused down there. I was thinking, whoa. And I seen this demon come for me. He said, I've come for you. And there's nothing you can do. Just spoke to my heart, didn't speak out loud. And right then I seen these two giant angels stood up beside my bed. And I realized they're taller than the ceiling above me. And they're just muscular. And they just turned, they said, no way. The master said you could bring them this far, no further, and drove them out right off. But see, that demon wanted me to agree with him so he could say, I'll just drag them to hell. I think if I would have said yes, and I'm like, no. God said, I'm going to live, and I believe that. My dad's not a liar. So when they did it, and they... They was there, and I'm down there for five and a half hours, and then Jesus says, says I've, it's not your time yet. I'm going to blow breath back in you and send you back. And the name of our, our ministry is called Rock Elohim, and that means breath of God. And God just came down and said, it's not your time. Went, and right as he did it, this nurse that just got saved unzipped my bag and came down and break and held my hand and prayed over me. And right then, 
people I taught youth with a mission how to do street evangelism. And I had friends all over, the, all over the world. And I got 10 cards and letters that said, we don't know what's going on with you, Ron, but God said, write this time down and write this date down and send it to you and said, we were praying for your life. None of them knew I'd been electrocuted. And when you break down the time zone, it's exact minute. They filled out my death certificate. God said, I'm going to raise up an army to pray for you. See, you think you sit here in church and you pray, they're talking about a prayer season that no one wants to come, and God changes things by that. He changes things. He took a brand new Christian and put in her heart to come down and unzip that bag. And she see my heart beat right as God blew my breath into me. And she's like, get him upstairs, man. Get him back upstairs. He's alive. And they took me back upstairs and nothing worked. They took me to rehab and only one hand moved a little. One day, all these deals were going off and they said, he's getting way too much air. God put a new set of lungs in me. Brand new lungs. Brand new lungs. In heaven, there's a room full of, room full of body parts and the angels are saying, no one asked for these. We're sitting here bored because no one will ask for these body parts. I remember that as God was working and stuff, one day they took MRIs and x-rays of my back all shattered. So people came in and prayed for me. The next day they took MRIs and x-rays to see how to do surgery. And my back was in two pieces but still sticking through the spleen each way. And that freaked them out so bad. It was so different. And I'm laying in full body traction. I can't move. That they had all the machines checked. Guess what? They checked out perfect. And the next day when they did it, my back was together. God had mended it. See, one day... They took out all this stuff they'd done in my throat. And I had these atheist doctors who were saying some stuff. And I said, God, I just want to tell them about your love. They just don't know your love. And they took out my tracheotomy. And they were explaining how that, this atheist doctor, how that, the rest of the doctors say I won't be able to talk. But I'm a preacher. I'm called to go out in the streets and tell people about Jesus. And she took that out. I was praying just to be able to tell her about Jesus and his love. And she took that out and said, I think maybe in a couple years, Maybe a couple more surgeries, she'd be able to talk. And I talked through a hole, which is impossible, in my throat, and told her all about Jesus Christ and his love. <laughs> and every doctor in that hospital came into my room so I could tell them how much Jesus loved them. You don't think there's a Jesus? Then I got this group of doctors that come in. They moved me to a rehab, and they said, and one day, they, I could tell you this, one day they unwrapped my hands. They'd been praying for it. They were just all wrapped up. And they unwrapped my hands and cut off my hand. And God had stuck my fingers back on with full feeling so I could worship him. And they checked. They said, you know, if you get a, if you get a cut, your fingers, your fingerprints change. My fingers were blown off. And they put them on. They had me fingerprinted. And I had the same fingerprints. They said, that freaks us out. I'm like, same guy put them back on these original equipment. <laughs> Some of them parts came right out of that warehouse in heaven. You don't think there's a God? Then I remember that, that they moved me to this hospital rehab. as a world-renowned rehab to work because only one hand moved. That's all I had. And so I remember that I was sitting there, and I was like, wow. And this team of doctors comes from the old hospital across town, and they're looking weird at me. And they kind of got red eyes. I go, what's going on? I said, in our hurry to put your blood back in you, we changed your blood system like 10 times over. We gave you full-blown AIDS and hepatitis C. So as, fi- as hard as you've fought to live, we've killed you. You'll never live through this. How many people know that no matter how bad you're down, Satan wants to send something worse. He's going to tell you you won't live. They shot my brain full of drugs so to kill my brain so I wouldn't fill it while I died. And God didn't let it work. They, they did stuff 
because it says you could drink deadly poison in the name of Jesus and you won't be harmed. And God did that. And I watched them work over and over and doing stuff. And then I was laying there just talking with them and praying all I could. And hearing people come and do worship. I love to worship. They come and they have to have their guitars all scrubbed to get in there and sing. And they put worship and the Bible on me, play it all the time. And these nurses that weren't Christians that come in and steal my, steal my tapes, steal my, all the players they put on for me and stuff. But God would always bring something back. And I remember that, just to hear that. And the more alive that my spirit was, the more dead my body was. And the more time I spent with the Lord. And I remember that I just told these doctors and the team that came in to tell me, we've killed you. You know what I told them? My daddy's not a liar. My daddy said, I should live and not die. So I want you to know, I forgive you, number one. And number two is, you better start testing me, because my God's going to kick this out of me. So I had 10 positive tests of AIDS and hepatitis C, and everyone after that time came back clean, because my daddy wasn't a liar. I was going to live and not die. I remember the first time God told me I was going to walk, and I bugged everybody in that hospital. But they used to, I got to tell you this too, first, they used to put me in little pools because you can move your body better. And I would take that one hand and go over because I believe Jesus wanted to touch people. And I would touch the people with that one hand I have. And people got out of their healed paraplegics. But I'm going, God, what about me? I'm in this water. You don't think you'd say that? If the water's there, I'm in the water, okay? What about me? It's not your time. But the first time he said, I bugged everybody in the hospital. And they took me in. And I got to where the, still, the double bars are. And I couldn't get up. I couldn't get up myself. And I couldn't get out there and walk. And I bugged everybody. And they're going, hey, hotshot, where's your God at? And I got pretty depressed. And Satan was trying to throw everything he could at me. And I said, Jesus, when you were on earth, and Satan came at you, had scripture. Just give me scripture to attack this. And so it started coming out of me. They're teasing me and rolling me back to the room. And said, oh, why so downcast, oh, my soul? Why so troubled and disturbed within me? Put my hope in God. And I started saying that over and over until that depression left. And they took me to my room and put me in my bed because I couldn't do it myself. And then they brought in. I was there for about 30 minutes alone. I said, God, I don't know what faith is. If that's not faith, I bugged everybody in the hospital. And I really believed I heard your word. So just tell me, if I'm in this wheelchair the rest of my life, that's okay. I just don't want to strive. I want to be at peace in you. So if I'm there, okay, just tell me so I quit striving. But if you're going to do this, then can we put mag wheels on this? Can we get the coolest Jesus stickers we ever have? And I'm going to go down the road, and I'm going to tell everyone I can with my one hand that works about how good Jesus Christ is because you're still the very best thing that ever happened in my life, and you're the only good thing that will ever be in it, truthfully. So if that's where I'm at, fine, just tell me. And I got quiet, and I heard just still small voice said, you are going to walk. But I didn't say it was today. You came up with today all on your own. And I'm like, I'm cool with that then. Okay. But you know how many people are mad at God because it didn't happen in their way? It didn't happen in their timing. And they left. They're not going to talk to God. They're mad at God. They don't want anything to do with them because they're short-sighted. It was their plan, not God's plan. And God's timing. And about a week and a half later, well, these doctors were in there. It's crazy. I had doctors, psychiatrists in the room talking to me. They came and explained to me why that night, why my back was too bad. Why I got muscles that are missing in my leg to make it work. They're not connected together, and it still works. I'm missing a section of my heart. They don't know how my heart beats right. They put an EKG on me. I had a man having a massive heart attack, but my blood pressure's fine. They don't understand me. (laughs) 
And so they're in there, but they're explaining to me how my lungs might not be good. My back's not good enough. Your leg's never going to work. They're telling me all this stuff. And I'm like, I don't care what you say to me. My dad's not a liar. My dad told me I'm going to walk out of here. So they're in there, and two psychiatrists, all my therapists, doctors, nurses, and the psychiatrists are going, this man is schizophrenic, paranoid. He lives in a complete makeup alternate world. (laughs) You know if you believe in Jesus? Yeah, that's what they believe too, yeah. They they studied me three times with world-renowned doctors, and they claim I'm an alien because it's easier for them to believe that than believe I'm a Christian that God healed. (laughs) So it's... World-renowned doctors, they think I'm an alien. So I take the Bible, and I prove to them I'm an alien. I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe his son came and died for me. You're right. I am an alien. It says right here, you're a foreigner and alien in this land. I'm a certifiable alien. But So I'm in this room, and I'm talking to them, and they're writing all this stuff down, explaining to me. And God says, prophesy to them, son. What do you want to tell them? So I weighed 85 pounds. I had only one hand that worked, and I looked at him, and I said, nevertheless, and I love too, they said, well, what are you going to do if you're stuck in that wheelchair? I said, I know that answer. I'm going to be a one-hand wheelchair racer for Jesus, and I'm going to go down the street, tell everyone I can about Jesus Christ. And then I remember that I was in there, and then God said, prophesy to him. I said, what do you want me to say? So I ran sports ministry in our area, and I did it with city leagues and with churches and stuff, and God says, tell him this, in two months. You're going to be playing softball, and you're not going to be in that wheelchair. And they're all going to be there to watch. These guys, they wrote three more pages about me. (laughs) And the psychiatrist said I was unreachable. They never talked to me again. (laughs) But you know what happened? About a week and a half later, God came and said, today's the day. And I prayed all day because I was a little more shaky. And during the day, he built faith in me. And they snapped some crutches on me when I bugged him again and said, go ahead, hot shot. And the Lord said, watch this. And went, Poof. And I got up out of that wheelchair, and I walked out of that hospital. <laughs> you know what? Jesus is not a respecter of people. One of him over your life. One body bags fall off. Things you've been dragging around. The past gets left behind. And you walk out of there. And I'm going to tell you, two months later, where I was a youth pastor, our church is playing against this famous bar in that city. And I got up my turn, and I hit a line drive over first base in the right field. And I'm running to first, and no one's going after the ball. I'm like, wait a minute, I almost died. I went this fair and square. And I'm running to first. And everyone sat down that field and just whipped and praised God, even the bar. And in the crowd was 200 hospital workers, the doctors, both both them, psychiatrists, every therapist, all my nurses were watching that happen because my daddy's not a liar. And I'm telling you, whatever dreams and visions God gives you is not a lie. You start praying for the time and to come forth and God to show you where it's at. You start waiting to come alive in him and hear what he has to say. See, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not good because of anything I do. I'm good because my father lives in me and he loves me, that Jesus Christ came inside me. He didn't come for extraordinary people. He came for ordinary people to let extraordinary God move greatly in them. He's only looking for ordinary people that want to obey. He's looking for people that want to obey. and says, what can I do for you? What can I do for you? I've seen thousands of supernatural healings now. I just got to pray for a guy that was electrocuted over the phone, fell, smashed his brains out 40 foot after being electrocuted, this young, young electrician, and somebody knew about me. So they gave me the phone with his mom, and I pray. 
the doctor even took the phone and said, you can't pray. You can't give this guy hope. He's not going to live. And what are you doing doing this to his mom? You don't understand. I go, no, you don't understand what I know about my God. Give that phone back. I prayed over that young man. And a week later, he walked out with no problems. See, our God's still that kind of God. I've watched so many. I watched a guy whose leg was shot off in Vietnam, and God put a new leg on him. And he's walking out one shoe on, one shoe off. My mind is freaking out. My eyes are saying, did you see that? And my mind's going, nope, that does not compute. (laughs) That does not compute. (laughs) I'm watching. I watched a girl I was trying to pray for with a little withered arm. I thought she had a sprained arm, and I was out in the streets witnessing. And she goes, that guy's just a liar. He's a liar. So I just tore off my shirt, and I set up on this little wall, and I said, okay, if I'm a liar, tell him how I got all these scars. And then, then she, I said, and what's wrong with your arm? You mind if I pray for your arm? She was going, you're not going to pray for anything of me. And I said, well, what's wrong with, well, it hurts, stupid. And she had this big sling on her arm, and I thought this girl had a sprained arm. And I'm like, what's wrong? Someone with like all that mohawk and all the tattoos and piercings, you can't be afraid of a little attention, can you? Because the Lord told me to tell her that. It's, it challenged her. She threw that sling off, and she had one of them little tiny arms. Never grew out. And I'm like, okay, who's praying for her? Because I had a faith for like the sprained arm. Okay. Is there a saying? Could there be another Christian here? <laughs> Whew. God said, no, you're up to bat. <laughs> I'm like, okay, and I got to be truthfully honest. I'm out in this open-air mall, and people are gathering around us, and I'm like, Lord, you're on trial out here tonight. (laughs) I'm just being honest. And I'm saying, God, help my faith. Help my faith. My faith started growing, and I started declaring in the name of Jesus, and her arm grew right out, and she's swinging around because it always hurt, and that arm was healed. Can you imagine going home and trying to explain what happened? And I said, you don't have to wear a neon sign that says Jesus. I don't even think you'd see it on all the colors you got. But he just wants to do it because he loves you. He just wants to love you. You just got to let him love you. And afterwards, after it happened, she said, what do you want? You preachers always want something. And I broke my heart because I knew that's how the world looked at us. And I said, let me pray. <laughs> I said, this is what Jesus wants. You have a friend that always shares Jesus with you. She says her name immediately knew. Jesus says, All he asks is next time you listen. God is moving in love. Fiery love is the only thing that works. I minister crazy, hardcore bikers and drug people. And when love comes, it gets them. I've watched so many get it. One crazy outlaw biker, he was so shot up and knifed up and stuff. And he's sitting there and God got him. And he sits down. He goes, I'm kind of drunk. And I'm like AA guy for like 12 years. What's going on? I go, that's the new wine. And he's this gruff guy has been screaming at everybody. He goes, man, I go, what's wrong? I feel dang sweet inside. I never felt sweet in my whole life. What is going on inside me? <laughs> and he's like, whoa, what's wrong here? He come and knocked on my, my deal at Sturgis, South Dakota, at the big bike rally at 2 in the morning to talk to me. I get up, and I'm talking to him, and God gets him. And he said, don't worry, because I do a, a meal there. And so he says, don't worry about dessert. I want to show everyone what I feel like. And he's honking his Harley horns as he comes in. And he's got big tubs of ice cream strapped around him. And go, I feel like ice cream on the inside. I want everyone to know that's how I feel. <laughs> so he gave us ice cream. <laughs> you know when you see someone, you see Jesus following them. But you see. I tell them, like I said at service earlier, with, that I want everyone to see what I've seen. 
when you see the look on some little kid that gets their hearing for the first time, and here's the first word. Where I've got to go in for a little girl just ready to turn three that was dead and pray for her. And Jesus raises her up and get to give her back to her family. He's sitting, I'm going, I'm really hungry. And get to give her back to the family because Jesus is good. Because Jesus is looking for people that will go and say, will you believe? Will you go out? I've seen God move so much and see people and say, I love these people. And start seeing with eyes that I got. You start seeing people in a different way. You see this guy that looks all rough to someone. And you start seeing who is inside and who God created him for. And then you call that out of them. And you start blessing one another. We're an army that's called to go out and change the world. Twelve people changed the world like crazy. So what are we going to do, all of us? Are we going to rust out somewhere, waiting for something to happen? Are we going to go out like hot rods and cruise the world for Jesus and just let him go? Because it's time not to rust out. It's time to wear out doing the things of God. I hope when I get to heaven, one thing, I hope I've shot every bullet of God I have to shoot. I hope I get up there and I go, thanks, you didn't bring any any of the ammo with you. You shot everything we gave you. That's what I want God to say to me. I want to say, well done. You shot everything I've had. I've watched so many people just get healed. And, and at Sturgis this last year, they brought a young man to me. This is the last thing I'll say. A young boy, and he had a rare blood disease. They brought him from the town nearby there. So I'm there doing our biker deal, and they bring people to me. I've watched God heal kids there. I've watched him heal paralyzed bikers there. I've watched him just do tremendous miracles, call people forth out in the streets. I've seen some of the craziest people get saved. We hadn't had to put some in hiding because they put hits on them because they got saved. And they knew, they said, this will probably get us killed, but we want heaven more than we want to live. Them are serious Christians when they do that. And I watched that happen. I remember this boy, he was... He had a rare blood disease, and the thing he needed most was blood. See, what do we need by Jesus? We need his blood. And I started thinking about it. And his rare blood disease was so rare, and they're trying to explain how these seven markers, and what he really needs is whole blood transfusion, but it would kill him. I didn't even say, I had to get this guy. He was a SEAL Team 6 medic that retired, and he got saved there. And now he's there, and I'm like, I'm like, Daryl, you got to tell me what to pray for this kid. I don't even understand the medical things they're saying. So help me know how to pray for this young boy. So they told me about this boy, and he told me what to pray. I'm like, okay. God changed four of the seven things that was bugging him immediately. The next day he went in, he knew God had touched him. And the children's hospital said, now you can come in. We wouldn't take you before. Come and see what happens with just them three deals because his doctor checked his blood the next day. He got to Children's Hospital. He had high fevers. The mom calls me. We pray. A group of us breaks the fever and the other three change. He took two units of whole blood and he's living with, they can't find any problems in him now. You. you know what Jesus is saying? He's saying, look around you. Look around you and see what I got to say. See what I want to do. Not because you want to go earn something. Because what an honor to go do for him. What an honor that he loves me. What an honor to get to go pour out. What an honor to get to love, love somebody. Right in his deal. We've, I, just, I should say one more story. Lately we've been finding the people that are sex slaves at some of the biker deals. And I got to take a girl that was being captured and all her stuff taken. With my buddy that's a SEAL team guy. And we got to go take her stuff back and free her before it ever happened. Because just driving by on motorcycles, God said, that one there, there's something wrong. And just listening as we're driving along. And we went around and went back and saved her. Thank you, Jesus. Just hearing for the Lord. And the Lord said, I love that girl. Don't let that happen. So God's saying to you, 
do you want me to move in you? But it, it starts with his love. If I don't go lay out in his love, I don't wear Jesus stuff all over my leathers. You know why? If Jesus isn't shining out of me, I don't need to go on the streets. If his love is not shining out of my eyes, can't draw someone with his love that's shining out of me, I don't need to go to the streets. It's time that we go to the streets with real bullets, with a demonstration of God's love and power. That changes the world. That's how we change the world. Yeah.